You're listening to a podcast from the BMJ. Over the next few weeks in the BMJ, we'll be looking at how the food industry is affecting the world's health. Over the last decade, we've seen increasing attention brought to bear on big food companies. As obesity rates grow and diabetes affects more of the population, public health types are asking if these companies are as big a danger to our health as tobacco ones turned out to be. And next week, Gerard Hastings' analysis article states quite bluntly why he thinks corporate power is a public health priority. But to kick us off this week, Trevor Jackson, one of the BMJ's deputy editors, interviews Marion Nessel. Professor Nessel is the Paulette Goddard Professor of Nutrition, Food Studies and Public Health at New York University. She has written widely on the subject of food and nutrition and is an iconoclast in the world of food politics. So, Marion Nessel, I want to begin by asking you about obesity. You have been studying and writing about nutrition and health for over 25 years. How did we get to a point at which obesity is one of the biggest public health challenges in the developed world and is beginning to become a problem in the developing world even? Well, the simple answer to it is that people are eating more now than they used to. And where the question becomes more complicated is in looking at the reasons why people are eating more now than they were. Um, The evidence that links greater amount of calories in the diet is very, very strong. And it's much stronger than the evidence suggesting that people are less active, although that may also be part of it. Um, But in looking at the reasons for it, it's easiest for me to talk about the situation in the United States where rates of obesity have been measured over time and didn't really start to increase or change in any measurable way until the early 1980s. And what led up to that were political changes in agricultural policy that encouraged a much greater production of food, thereby increasing the number of calories available in the food supply. Um, And a change in the way that Wall Street began to evaluate corporations, a change from valuing long-term slow returns on investment to an insistence that corporations produce Uh, higher immediate returns on investment. And what that did was to require corporations to produce evidence for growth every 90 days. Uh, That was particularly difficult for food companies who were already trying to sell their products in an environment in which there's roughly twice as many calories available per capita as are needed by the population. And so food companies needed to look for ways in which they could expand sales. Um, And they did that by a number of uh, measures. One is to, you know, one was through intensified advertising, uh, placing foods everywhere, making foods in larger portions as a sale technique, placing food in places where it had never been placed before, and also creating a social environment in which snacking and drinking sodas became a normal way of eating. And I don't think that food companies did that uh, out of a deliberate intention to make people fat, but the result of it was to create an environment that promotes overeating, what I call an eat more food environment that's very, very difficult for people to resist. 
uh, even those who are educated about the effects of such an environment on their personal food choices. Um, so you have this situation in which people are eating more and they're putting on weight. And the big question for everybody is uh, what to do about it. Okay, so you've said that in a purely that a purely food approach or a physical activity focus will not tackle the problem and that human bodies are in a mismatch with the circumstances they inhabit. So what will tackle the problem? What can we do to stop the obesity epidemic? And what changes do we need to make to the food system? Well, I think that it's pretty clear that it isn't enough to educate people about trying to eat less or eat better. That just doesn't work. And the best example of that is to see what happens when people are confronted with large portions of food. They eat more and they underestimate the, num- the amount that they're eating by a much greater amount. Uh, even if they're educated to know that larger portions have that effect. Uh, and the hum- the regulatory system for hunger, satiety, and body weight in the human body was, I think, there's increasing evidence that it evolved to protect people against periods of famine and food deprivation. It was never designed, if you can think of it that way, uh, for a society in which food was so readily available, so inexpensive, and so tasty, if you want to look at it that way. Um, So... In order to, in a sense, if you're trying to control your body weight, you're fighting evolutionary history and your own physiology, and that's very, very difficult for individuals to do in this kind of food environment. So people are looking at ways in which to change the food environment to make it more promoting of healthful dietary choices and more discouraging of unhealthful choices. But that comes right up against the imperatives of food companies to sell more products, not fewer. Uh, The way I like to put it is eating less is very bad for business. Uh, So there's a problem. And you mentioned education wasn't enough. Do you favour regulation? Is that the way forward? Well, I don't really see any other way. Um, The governments, various governments in the United States, city and state and local, have attempted to promote voluntary food industry self-regulation of their own products, particularly around issues such as marketing to children. And these have been not very successful. Uh, Lots of promises are made. Food companies make lots of promises. They don't always keep them and they're not held accountable very well. But they can't. It's unreasonable to expect food companies to self-regulate against their own economic interest. Um, They cannot self-regulate and stop marketing to children if it's going to reduce their sales because they're beholden to Wall Street. Um, And so they fight any attempt to do that. And, of course, that's what we've seen in New York City around the Bloomberg Initiative to put a cap on large-sized sodas. And it's also one of the reasons why food companies have moved much of their marketing efforts overseas. Um, I think a very important trend is that all of the major large international food companies um, are now expecting to derive their profits largely from India, China, Saudi Arabia, Latin America and Africa. 
Could you just tell us a little bit more about what the food companies have been doing to resist Mayor Bloomberg's initiative in New York? Um, yes, Mayor Bloomberg um, ha- has, over the last several years, um, initiated several measures aimed at changing the food environment in order to make it easier for people to make helpful choices. Probably the most impressive of those was the ban on use of uh, hydrogenated oils in restaurant menus, and that has resulted in a lowering of trans fat uh, in the New York City population and a stabilization or a a decrease in heart disease rates, for example. Right. And a lot of effort is going into trying to prove the connection. I don't think that's been proven yet, but it's certainly a trend. Um, His administration also did a massive education campaign about the role of sodas in obesity um, and the fact that you cannot work off the calories in sodas very easily without doing an enormous amount of walking. Um, so, and, and there have been attempts to do things that have been turned down. Uh, the Bloomberg administration attempted to require people on food assistance to only use their food assistance benefits on healthful foods. That was denied by the Department of Agriculture. And the latest is to put a cap on the sizes of sodas that can be sold within city limits. Um, And that cap is on a 16-ounce soda, uh, which is an interesting choice. It's two standard servings and about 10% of daily calories. A uh, 16-ounce soda has about 50 grams. So that's still too big, you would say? I'm sorry? It's still too big, 16 ounces, would you say? I think it's quite generous. Right. Um, And what has happened is that people have begun to get used to larger servings. Um, It's um, the average serving in a lot of places is 32 ounces or more. And therefore, a 16-ounce portion suddenly looks small. And people have gotten used to much larger sizes. So there are many reasons why this is a good idea from a public health standpoint. It's been met with a reaction, um, some of it spontaneous, I suppose, but a great deal of it manipulated by public relations agencies hired by the American Beverage Association to fight it. You wrote about this in Food Politics a decade ago. Could you tell us, have things changed in any way? Is this level of marketing still going on? Is this level of lobbying still going on? Yes, what impresses me, uh, I'm just now writing a new afterword for a new edition of Food Politics to come out next year, and what impresses me and the kinds of things I'm talking about in that um, is that the the new tactic and or the tactic that is being used over and over again is to go right to Congress to intervene. If the food industry doesn't like a regulation that the Food and Drug Administration, USDA, or any other federal agency is trying to put into practice, it immediately goes to Congress and Congress has intervened. Congress has now intervened around rules regarding uh, such things as pizza, potato, uh, pizza in menu labeling, potatoes and tomato paste in standards for school meals, um, and in general, a, um, any kind of nutrition guidelines or restrictions on marketing products to children. So this corporate exploitation of 
uh, as you could describe it, of our food systems. How do we end this? If the food companies are lobbying Congress and in other countries they're lobbying the respective parliaments, what can we actually do to um, effect change? Well, it depends on what grassroots popular sentiment is, but this is also being manipulated by uh, the use of very skilled public relations um, firms, at least in the United States. We need government regulation. Uh, Whether we're going to get it or not depends a lot on the political situation. Uh, The cost of obesity, not only personally to the individuals involved, but also to the societies, is estimated to be so great now and to be increasing so dramatically in the future that at some point governments are going to have to intervene because the health care costs will be so great. And the question is, at what point will that happen? I don't know. You asked in JAMA four years ago, should the food industry be welcomed as a constructive partner in the campaign against obesity? Um, do you still think that? And, and oh, oh, Sorry. Um, do, am I still as dubious? Is that, is you that what st- you're asking? Absolutely, yes, thank you. <laughs> yes. yes, I'm still dubious. I think there's further evidence, more and more evidence has come in, that the food industry's job and imperative is to sell more products, not less. Uh, they're not public health agencies or social service agencies. They're corporations whose job it is to make money for stockholders. And unless that way of running our economies changes, I don't see that changing. And every single example um, that I've seen of attempts to partner with food companies has ended up benefiting the food companies but not benefiting public health. And it's again, it's not that individuals in those companies don't want to be part of the solution to obesity. They can't be because their entire mode of operation and their entire reason for being is opposed to it. And if that interested you, you can learn more on Marion's blog, which he updates daily, foodpolitics.com. Also, released next week on bmj.com, will be two analysis articles, the one I mentioned by Gerard Hastings, Why Corporate Power is a Public Health Priority, and one by Tim Lang and Jeff Rayner on Ecological Public Health. And they'll both join us on the podcast to explain what that is. Join us then. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.